You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> Hour two on this Thursday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Spend some time with the mean-spirited Jay Billis in the first hour of the program. Gave us some thoughts on Reggie Bush being welcomed back by the USC community. Jay thinks he should get his Heisman back and they should retire his jersey. We want to make this clear about what happened with Reggie Bush because I think there's a misconception. This is the fall of 2010 is when Reggie Bush finally gave his Heisman back. Now, that was the Heisman that he won in 2005. He was stripped of it, and he gave it back a year later. And now he was stripped of the title. So if you look at the Heisman list, there's no one there. It's been vacated for 2005. It's like if you go to the Tour de France, Lance Armstrong, uh, those titles have been vacated. That's what happened with Reggie Bush. And uh, we were doing some uh, CSI Heisman work back then. Paulie, I know, was on the trail of where is that Heisman because USC sent their, they, they get a copy of the Heisman. That's in Heritage Hall with all the other Heisman Trophy winners. You know, Pat Hayden, the athletic director, they sent that Heisman back to the Heisman Trust. And then Reggie Bush had his Heisman, and then we found out that it was sort of stored in San Diego, and then eventually Reggie Bush... The Heisman Trust has a large shipping container. And you know Carson Palmer sent that, uh, sent, put his Heisman in that shipping container when he sent it to us, and it's here in our man cave, just to protect it. And they sent him this protective you know, packaging, and Reggie Bush eventually sent the Heisman back. I don't know if he's getting that Heisman back. Now, he can be welcomed back by USC, but the Heisman Trust, I'm going to say unlikely. And if you don't recognize him as the winner, I don't know if you all of a sudden go, on second thought, we're going to recognize you as the winner. USC was unfairly punished. We can all agree on that. And what happened with Reggie Bush you're starting to see some of the same kind of information coming out with Zion Williamson, but this is a whole different era. I mean, this is 15 years later. I don't know if we care if players get paid when they go in for a one-and-done. I assume they're getting something on a one-and-done, and if Zion Williamson's parents got something. The tricky part is, it's Duke. Did Coach K know? Was this a booster and or shoe company involved in this? Now, Coach K is the only reason why this is interesting for anybody because Zion is in the pros. You don't want Zion on the stand and all of a sudden Coach K has to be on the stand and, well, maybe you do, but that could be really damaging. Uh, but it, look, if Duke's guilty and the NCAA wants to go in and do an investigation, go get him. Am I surprised? Would I be surprised? Nothing. Nothing surprises me anymore. You know, did Zion deserve this? Hey, you know, he's a one and done. All right, we can have that argument, that discussion. But Zion, to me, if if you're on tape with one of their assistant coaches saying this is what Zion's parents want or his stepfather wants to go to Kansas, why do I have the assumption, hey, he's gone to Duke and he didn't get anything? When he could have gone to Duke from the beginning, which is where you know, a player gets recruited by Duke, you probably immediately go, oh, I'm going to Duke. As I told you, I guess it was earlier in the week, I had a coach who said, when I we were joking about recruiting, and I said, uh, now why didn't you get Zion? He goes, I got outbid. I said, what do you mean? He goes, 
I guess the package that was being offered was better than the one that we were offering. And, and so then I'm going, well, what did you offer? And he talked about housing and cars. And I said, what about money? And he goes, no, it was housing and cars. I don't know if money was transferred here. But once again, this is what college athletics has been. Is it always on display? Is every player going to be corrupted or they try to corrupt him? No, I won't say that. But I do. I, it happens. And it happens everywhere. Now, if this was at Kentucky, we'd be killing Calipari. If this, you know, if this is Kansas, killing him. Uh, Rick Pitino, killing him. It's Mike Krzyzewski. And I think, obviously, innocent until proven guilty. What did you know? Uh, are you going to be a control freak with your basketball program, but you have no idea this is going on? This is the same thing that we railed on Rick Pitino. How do you not know? I don't know if Coach K knew where Zion's family was. I can't sit here and go, maybe Zion didn't ask a question. What are the odds that Zion sees where his parents are now living and sees the house, uh, the cars that they're driving and doesn't go, hey, mom, nice ride. Where'd you get it? You got three, and these are pretty expensive hoopties here. Like you're going, wait a minute here. Like, I would do that. If my dad brought a, a he drive a new car home, I'd go, whoa, you got a new car, Dad. I wouldn't go, I didn't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Kids, get in the car. We're moving. <laughs> yeah. Which one, Dad? Can you be more specific? <laughs> yeah, Paul. The thing I'm most interested in is if, if this goes down the road and doesn't get settled and actually gets bigger, does Mike Krzyzewski get the same treatment of guys like Rick Pitino? Because Rick Pitino, a lot of people... Um, when they, he was accused of different things and accused of paying players and et cetera, they're like, well, even if he didn't know, he should have known, yeah. and it's under his watch, so there's no excuse. Well, Mike Krzyzewski get the defensive side of that. Well, he can't know everything. He, he wasn't but this he, is, he didn't participate in This is the most publicized college athlete we've had in a long time, and nobody thought anything of where his parents were now living and what cars he was driving. Do you not want to know? You know, we got to be, we can't pick and choose when it comes to this. Yeah, see. Well, I mean, you just start going down, just take a look at the NBA draft and how well Duke players are doing there. Mm. And, I mean, you start asking lots of questions. There's a lot of, lot of talent. This program, uh, oh, by the way, we got uh, new gear for Father's Day. Uh, new shirts, caps, mugs, uh, Father's Day. Check it out, DanPatrick.com. Shipping, by the way, you want to get those orders in. Uh, Monday is probably the last day before you can get it for Father's Day. Next Monday. Yeah, Monday coming up. Okay. McLevin's got the new hat on there. We looks love good. this new hat. Yeah, Everybody uh, loves a new logo and the new hat. I would get some. Good. I like that. Uh, what's the poll question we're going with? Well, I did put up uh, which comes back first, MLB or NBA. It's actually surprisingly close. 55% say MLB. I mean, it should be 80%, right? Well, no, it was going to be the NBA. The NBA, it felt like they had all of this planned out. We knew exactly what was going on, where it was going to take place. We had the dates for everything. We knew when the playoffs were starting, the NBA finals were starting. We knew it all. And then all of a sudden, Brian Windhorst and Adrian Wojnarowski of the Mothership came out and said, not everybody is on board with going to Orlando. How is it? that players on the 22 teams 
who don't go and play in Orlando. These are the teams that qualify, and they can't prove medical history. They don't get paid. But every player on the eight teams who don't go to Orlando are going to get paid. The medical records here, did you see where they're not testing for marijuana for these players? <laughs> Just in case they were having some fun here in the air offseason while they're waiting for basketball to come back. But, uh, you know, is the anthem going to be played before these games here? Um, what if, you know, your partner, your wife is pregnant? You're going to be there for a couple of months. And then I saw this where the NBA might lock reporters inside. See, I think they need to change that. You know, the we're going to lock reporters inside the Disney bubble for three and a half months. I don't know how many members of the media are going to go. It depends on what the availability is. But, man, they might lock reporters in. And if you leave the Disney bubble, you can't get back in. You're done. Yes, Tom. So reporters expected and encouraged to stay on the ground? Is that the phraseology they could uh... So they don't feel like it's some kind of prison sentence for the next three months? Well, yeah, you, I just don't think you want to have the might lock reporters inside the Disney bubble. I mean, it's an interesting headline that I saw in the Daily Beast, and that's why I clicked on it. But this, according to the Professional Basketball Writers Association, a memo that said a select group of reporters could be locked inside the Disney bubble for at least three and a half months and no options to re-enter if they exit quarantine. Yeah, Paul. I see. I think this is you're looking at this the wrong way. If you're an NBA reporter or media member who happens to have children, you bring the whole family down and you work in passes and the whole thing. Your kids are just banging on you to go to Disney every year. Now your kids, we're going to Disney for eight weeks. Yeah, but Disney is open, right? That's what I'm saying. You're you're the you're the big hero if you're dad. But I don't know if are you able to go to Disney World. Let the kids stay at the Matterhorn or whatever the other hotel is, and you you take care of the the games. I don't know if they're allowed to. Now, this was preliminary in what I heard, that they could go play golf, but that was it. You could leave the property, go play golf. I don't know if you can go to Disney World with your family because that's open for business. Yes, yeah, But then you fast forward to, you know, you're there for eight weeks and you fast forward to week two when your kids are already bored of all the rides because they've been on them 37 <laughs> times and you're like, I brought you to Disney World. How can you be bored? And you're losing your mind and now you're trapped there for another seven, six, seven weeks uh, with bored kids. Yeah. I can't and you talk brought right them to now. Disney World. You're at Disney World. How can you be bored? Yeah, McLovin. I don't understand the NFL training camp opens July 28th, and they haven't said a thing about not letting reporters there. So you could have throngs of NFL reporters just openly walking in and out of camps. I, I don't know how it's going to work. They haven't said anything. But the NBA is going to be out of step with everybody else. Everyone else is going to be doing this normal. Yeah, but I think the NFL is letting everybody else do some testing here, and then they're just watching. The, N the NFL gets to cherry pick on all of this and but, say, well, that worked. That didn't work. We got to fix that. We can do that better. That's great. Feels like that's what they're doing right now. And I don't know if the members of the media have to be, you know, sequestered over here and then you can have a player who shows up via Zoom or six feet away. I don't I don't know. It's just not that they're not going to be milling about in the locker room here. For any sport. No, no. Can't imagine that. All right. Uh, we'll get to phone calls here coming up. NASCAR made a significant announcement yesterday. It will ban the presence of the Confederate flag at all events. Now, there's going to be a faction of the racing fans who aren't happy, but NASCAR's statement said it all. They want to provide a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans. And that's the only acceptable position here. You can forget arguments about history and heritage, and I know I'm going to hear about this. 
please be nice to Marvin when you call in to get mad at me. The bottom line is the flag made people, some people, very unhappy, and that's all we need to do. Take it down. And look, I have a dear friend in Darius Rucker. I love him, and I've known him for 26 years. And he has not stopped in wanting to get the Confederate flag taken down off the statehouse. And they finally did, but it took him a long time. But he has talked about this. Why do we allow this? He will go sing the anthem at NASCAR events. He's been there, and he knows that he's looking around and seeing Confederate flags. Bubba Wallace, I can't applaud you enough. The only African-American driver in the sport and he urged the sports organizers to implement the Confederate flag ban. Now, all of a sudden, you have an opening. I'm sure that he wanted to do this before. Now, with Black Lives Matter, he's got that on the side of his car, had it on his car last night at Martinsville. Now there's the opening. And NASCAR can't go, hmm, we're not going to be listening to that. Because nothing has changed from NASCAR's perspective, except for here's Bubba Watson saying it's time for a change because NASCAR was not going to change this. Now, this is a a privately run business, a family run business. And sometimes drivers do things to push their teammates ahead. And that's exactly what Bubba Wallace did for everyone. He didn't win the race last night, but he won something far more important. And to take that stand and do it now And to do it in that sport, I have great admiration for what Bubba Wallace was able to do. But you start to look around and you ask yourself, why was this allowed? And it was allowed. It was tolerated. I don't know if you're going to have people still bringing the uh, Confederate flags in. This is a sport that started in the South. It was started, it was bootleggers. You know, these are guys who were racing cars, getting you know, whiskey to other places. Uh, in, and, and of all things, of all names to have, here's Bubba. <laughs> Bubba in the South, and it's an African-American in NASCAR taking this stand. Uh, courageous. But uh, has the Black Lives Matter on his uh, car? Had that last night as we, uh, as we move forward with this. And... I have to believe that people, when you bring in Winnebago's or, I, I mean, it, these are people get there on what Sunday or Monday, they stay the whole week and you're probably going to have this Daytona Darlington where somebody's going to bring out the Confederate flag. There's only so much you can do, but I, I applaud NASCAR for listening to Bubba Wallace here. And Bubba Wallace had the platform. He had the stage. He had the microphone. He took it. He took it and then he dropped it. Dropped the mic after what he said. And uh, I great admiration for uh, the courage that that had to take in that sport. All right, uh, we'll get some phone calls in here, and then we'll take a break. Brad in North Carolina joins us. Hi, Brad. What do you have for me today? Hey, good morning, Dan. Uh, just wanted to comment on the Duke-Zion situation mm-hmm. and just here in North Carolina, the hypocrisy of especially our local media um, going through what – UNC went through for the better part of the last decade, and we just got hammered by people like Dan Kane of the News Observer, and none of that is occurring because for some reason Mike Shashevsky and Duke are just holier than thou. And uh, so I, I appreciate that you guys are shining some light on it because it's something that really just doesn't get talked about here locally. All right. Well, I know that battle lines are drawn there with North Carolina and Duke, and North Carolina is saying, wait a minute here. 
whenever we're investigated, you know, nobody co- comes to our defense. No, they don't. Um, the reason why Duke is probably getting a little, a little more sensitive treatment here is because of Mike Krzyzewski and what he has represented to the sport and to his players and to that community. It doesn't mean that Duke didn't do this or that coach didn't know about this. Because I don't know that. All I know, there's information out there that Zion Williamson greatly improved his family's living conditions. Rent was eight ninety five, and it went all to, went to almost five thousand. I don't know what you get for five thousand dollars a month in Durham, North Carolina, but they had cars as well. Now you've already had a lot of conversation about did Nike, was Nike paying Zion to go to Duke? And and maybe Coach K, you know, does Coach K say, Zion, are you getting paid? I don't think that conversation probably takes place. If his parents are getting paid, does Mike Krzyzewski ask about that? I don't know how far coaches go in protecting your program because you have to ask those questions. If I have a highly recruited athlete, I know that I got I got to understand exactly what's going on here because this could come back and put my team on probation. While you go into the NBA, I'm still here and I have to deal with the aftershocks here. I don't know if you get around to asking those questions. And would Zion Williamson be forthcoming? Or did he know? Did he care to know? Did he get anything? His parents did. And this goes back to Reggie Bush. If Reggie Bush pays the money back to this marketing firm, or he stays with him, this goes away. When he said, I'm not going to pay you, then he ratted him out. And that led to something that almost rivaled SMU when they gave them the death penalty. But you had Yahoo Sports that went in, and then the NCAA came in and piggybacked that, and then all of a sudden, USC, and USC has not recovered. It was like a death penalty, a death sentence for that program. If Reggie Bush pays them back or stays with them, this doesn't come out. Zion Williamson, if he stays with his marketing firm or agents, this doesn't come out. But it does, and then people realize Zion Williamson is worth $100 million, maybe even more. And these people are saying, wait a minute, you signed a contract with us. We want this. We, we, we deserve something here. And this is all about future earnings here. Jay Billis joined us last hour and he said, I don't think this, you know, goes to trial. I don't know if there's a settlement here, but it does feel like some damage has been done because it's Zion Williamson, it's Coach K, and it's Duke. Yeah, Paul. Can you guys imagine the job of being a compliance officer at a big-time football or basketball school? Like, you're trying to put out fires all the time, avoid issues in advance, but you have 95 football players at a huge football school, and you're, do you even go in the player parking lot and look and see what they're driving if you're the compliance officer? Are you trying to avoid finding out about things? I would. That's got to be the weirdest job. I, I, I go back to, and this, this points out the hypocrisy of the NCAA, that sometimes... You know, they they get blinded. Uh, You can't see the forest due to the trees. 
Rick Majerus was at Utah. And I've told this story because when Majerus told me this, I didn't believe it. Rick Majerus is at Utah. And uh, he got in trouble with the NCAA. And I said, how would you get in trouble with the NCAA? He goes, well, sit down. Like, you know, there was going to be some really wild story. He goes, one of my players, one of his parents passed away. He needed to fly back to Los Angeles. And I took him to lunch before he went. And they, the NCAA punished me because I took my player to lunch just to talk to him, console him before he flew back to Los Angeles. You got all this other stuff going on, and we're going to crack down on Rick Majerus at Utah because he gave a kid a free lunch. 21 after the hour. Phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Reggie Bush was a guest on The Herd yesterday. And he talked about being welcomed back by USC, the uh, 10-year probationary period or that he had to disassociate from USC that 10 years has now ended but uh, he went a step further he wants his Heisman back here's Reggie Bush to say that I don't want it back would, would be a lie um, you know and so I do want to be completely honest about that 100% I want my Heisman trophy back but um, also at the same time I'm more focused on the, the kids now because what happened to me is in the past and we're not going to change what happened and, and we're not going to be able to you know change everything that happened in that situation but what we can do is learn from it now and right and that's why I'm so happy I'm so happy that kids will now be able to make money off their name image and likeness that's my that's my focus right now the Heisman trophy and everything that happened with USC that's in the past. Um, would I love to have it back? Hell yes. But at the same time, is it my focus right now? Absolutely not. All right. That's Reggie Bush on The Herd yesterday. And you can stop sending your emails and your tweets about O.J. Simpson. Why didn't he have to give his Heisman back? He didn't do anything wrong in college. This is an NCAA rule that Reggie Bush broke. That's why they want the Heisman back. They got the Heisman back. O.J. Simpson was not declared ineligible. Heisman has no jurisdiction over what O.J. does later in life. I wish they did. They could take his Heisman back. Why did he, he sold his Heisman. Didn't he sell his Heisman and then try to steal it back? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Twitter world. <laughs> it's me, your old pal O.J. <laughs> Waiting for him to weigh in on uh, Reggie Bush there. That's exactly what Reggie, I'm Give sure. Give the man back his trophy. <laughs> <laughs> so he can sell it, just like I did. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Yeah, I can imagine Reggie Bush if OJ comes in his corner. Yeah. I don't need it that bad. <laughs> I don't need the award that bad. I, can, I got some other trophies in my... I'm sure he's got tons of trophies. Uh, Tim in South Carolina. Hi, Tim. What do you have for me today? Hi, Dan, and thank you to Marvin. Uh, Jay Bulls is a hypocrite. I can begin there. It's absurd that he would draw an analogy with the beer thing. I mean, Duke willfully and intentionally violated rules, and they've done it for years, and they're cloaking themselves in this uh, shroud of sire than thou. Listen, I, I don't have a dog in the fight with Duke, North Carolina. I'm a graduate of South Carolina. But we know it goes on. That's not the point. If they don't like the rules, change the rules. 
But Duke's no better than anyone else, and they should get in trouble, just like everyone else. Well, I, I have to I have to wait till I have proof in front of me, though. Just be – I don't care who the coach is, what the program is, I would need to have proof. If Coach K is involved in it, what Duke knew, was it a Duke booster? Because that's the information that came out yesterday, that a Duke booster set up Zion's family. None of it surprises me. There's still an element of shock if Coach K is somehow implicated in this. If he's directly involved in this, there's still the element of shock there. But, you know, I think we, we talked about this. What would be the sports story that would shock you? Like, if you said Cal Ripken, Derek Jeter were using steroids, that would shock me. That would. Lance Armstrong didn't surprise me. Mark McGuire didn't surprise me. This Zion Williamson story does not surprise me. As valuable, just think about the millions of dollars he means to so many different people. ESPN, NCAA, Duke, and Zion's not getting anything out of it other than, hey, we give you a platform. You got 31 games that are going to be televised. Go out there and enjoy, and we got some free, free shoes. Oh, that's right, you blew through a pair of shoes. And we got another pair of shoes for you. Parents had their hand out saying, hey, can you take care of us? They had tons of offers. I don't know what they asked for, but I'm assuming for somebody to know what you want, you have to tell them what you want. There's a market for you. Zion had to go to school for eight months, and it's a silly NCAA rule. But you're going to have these high-profile players go, and, and you know these coaches are saying, all I need is one great player. I get that one great player. It can change my entire program. Keep me employed for years. I might win a national title here. The amount of money and the pressure that it's, that's there. But if I'm the kids, hey, what's in it for me? I'm going to go there. I have to go there. Because Zion could have gone right to the pros. R.J. Barrett could have gone right to the pros. There's a lot of these players... Most of the mar- you know, these marquee players can go right to the pros. But coaches, schools, everybody benefits but the player. And if he wants to take care of his family, I certainly understand it. But if you're going to break a contract, that's different. If you said Zion got this at Duke, great. Couldn't care less. Because other schools were bidding on this. But if you're going to break a contract, that's when things come to light. That's when people get uh, angry here. They get mad. They go public with things. That's what happened with Reggie Bush. If Reggie pays the money back, nothing happens. But Reggie lost his Heisman, uh, told to disassociate for a decade. I don't know what happens with Zion Williamson. I will be surprised if it goes to trial. But can you imagine Coach K up on the witness stand? How far does this go? All right, more phone calls. Uh, Cody in Tennessee. Hi, Cody. What do you have for me today? Hey, fellas. Hey. Uh, I was just commenting on the Zion and Pan. I uh, I played in the SEC for four years, and so seen it and, and was around it. And 
I'd be surprised to see if there's a, if there's a paper trail. You know, my, my one of my favorite coaches told me that he's like, you know, if the NCAA comes looking, the the programs that are trying to be the cleanest will be the dirtiest from the outside because there's not a facilitator, and then you have road boosters who are doing dumb things. I, I got an offer to Tahoe. I, I was dumb enough to call my dad and tell him I was on the way to get it. And uh, <laughs> and and so I didn't get it. But, you know, the, it's, it's simple to do. You know, my booster calls his car guy, tells him what I'm good for, and I was in route to go. He had three on the lot used, and and uh, and so I go in. I fill out the paperwork. I apply for the financing in house. I'm gonna guaranteed get approved in house, and uh, and then he's gonna give me the money to make the payment every month. And it goes that way all the way through. Wait, so you were going to get – well, Cody, you weren't good enough to get a new Tahoe. You got a used no, Tahoe. No, no, no. <laughs> here's going to be the kicker is I was a punter. Oh, okay. Uh-oh, Paulie is doing research on you here, Cody. Hopefully that's not your real name, Cody, because Paulie's now going Cody, Tennessee, It won't take me punter. long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't get it. Okay, all right. Right. No, but you know, but they would they the would make through. the car payment for you. So you you fill out all the paperwork, and then you yeah. have somebody who's making the car payments for you. Either most of the time they would just would give the guy cash. You know, I got guys that played it, at, at, uh, you know, and getting recruited, and I actually had quite a few offers. And so uh, you know, I had friends that played all across the uh, the the country, and uh, and it was the same song and dance. I, I played golf. You you like I played golf with a guy now, and he's a bag man for the Nike AAU right now. And but it's it's not even the guys; it's the women's. Wait, he's given money to women to go will, to college. They will. He will go, and uh, yeah, they they uh, you know they, they're kind of hired guns, I guess. They'll get these really good players, you know, to go play a tournament on this AAU team if they're not with, especially if they're from like a smaller town. I mean, they're paying for even that. Yeah, Paulie. Uh, Cody's got a lot of points there because uh, when we will, used to go on those Nissan tours for Sports Illustrated, we'd go down south, we would hear the craziest stories. They would say like, well, you know, these teams that are really good at it, they don't get caught because they are they know how to do this. They've been doing it for years. They find a booster who can keep his mouth shut, who can funnel money without getting caught. Like Cody's saying, they'll get you a Tahoe, but they'll legally let you rent the Tahoe or pay for it, but they'll hand you a bag of money to pay for it every month. Cody, what's the wildest story you heard recruiting-wise? The wildest story? Well, I don't even know. You know. I have a buddy who's a big booster, and he got upset with football, and he's at a different school than I went to. And he started going with basketball, and he said, man, I thought football was bad. He said, basketball is crazy. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, they don't talk about the players and how, you know, the four-star, five-star is what you hear a lot now. He said, you know, we, they, in basketball, they'll refer to them as maybe a five-and-seventy guy or a three-and-a-hundred and I was like, what's that? And he said, well, well, the first number is how many people are involved in the recruiting. You have a mother, an AAU coach, high school basketball coach. Maybe you've got a mother, father. And so the first number is how many people are taking a cut of the bag. And then the second number is how much it's going to cost where they're at right then. And, you know, so it's, uh, you got a guy that's a five and a hundred. It means that you got five people with their hands in the bag and it's going to probably cost about a hundred grand. 
Wow. And, and like what Paulie was saying, there is a facilitator, and, and the clean programs, the head man's not going to be involved, but they know who is involved. So you've got this, you know, kind of circle of, of boosters who are in contact, and they get the money together, and, and you've got your facilitator, and they facilitate all this, and then the money transfers hands. And uh, and then there's a lot of, of what happens with, like, I think the Eric Dickerson story where, you know, he got the, was it the Trans, Trans Am or whatever, but then he didn't, yeah, and then he didn't go to school there. So uh, you have a lot of that. Those guys milk it. And, you know, probably the saddest thing about it is that a lot of the times the kid doesn't see it. It's that five people involved, those five get it, and the kid goes to school, and, of course, then he's taken care of. But, uh, but those big numbers, a lot of times the kids don't even see. We're talking to Cody the punter from Tennessee joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Best guest of the week. Should I end the call with uh, War Eagle? No, absolutely Roll not. Tide. Uh, no. Rocky Top. <laughs> we can't get in that, right? The NCAA will be down Hotty there. Hotty Toddy. <laughs> We're getting closer. <laughs> okay. All righty. Uh, hey, Cody, great to hear from you. Thanks for hey, calling. I love the show, man. Appreciate y'all. All right. That's Cody in Tennessee. I could have listened to him talk all day. I know. We should have had him do the next segment. I could listen to him I tell stories worried. all day. I was worried that the more Cody talked, the more we were going to narrow down <laughs> where Cody was punting. When he was in his college days, the three and the three one hundred is pretty interesting. Three and one hundred, three people, hundred large to get uh, somebody to go to the school. Yes, Paul. Best one I ever heard was we were down south and they were telling me how they got players at a certain school, and they said an alum owned a riverboat casino, and they would go and uh, they would tell this player go to the riverboat casino and go to that blackjack table or go to that table over there, and they would just tell him when you walk in look for. The dealer with the hat on, walk in and put your money down on the table. You're going to win every hand. And they would, he would walk out with $20,000 in legal winnings at a blackjack table. Now, I know you're not supposed to do that if you're a college athlete, but no one's going to rat on you because it's... Well, it might have been legal, but it was illegal how he got his legal cash. Yes. It, <laughs> illegal NCAA-wise, legal in the real world. Yeah. It was legally illegal that I got $20,000. I remember, because uh, I was at Eastern Kentucky, and of course, we weren't good enough to have anybody get paid. But uh, Kentucky, I was told that players would go to the racetrack. And when they first got to Kentucky, maybe they were being recruited. And you go to the racetrack, and basically somebody would say... Um, uh, you know, what horse do you like? They would, they would bet for you, and then you would make money. A guy that I played against, who was from Dayton, came back with one of those 450 Mercedes, those uh, the SELs, those uh, two-seaters, and convertible. He came back one summer, and we were like, whoa, what's going on here? Where'd you get that? Take a break here. Uh, more phone calls coming up here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Get some more phone calls here. I figured that Marvin was going to get inundated with people telling recruiting stories here. It happens, but at the good programs, it doesn't get out that it's happening. It starts to leak out at some of these other programs. You usually have a system in place that this is, you know, time tested. 
that this is how it's done and that's how it's going to continue to get done. It's just the shoe companies getting involved. That took the boosters out of the equation in some of these situations. The shoe company, they were bringing in some real money here. And that's why it's all it's important to go back. That's why coaches, to me, should not have been paid contracts with shoe companies because it it just opened the door. If you're going to have these camps where, you know, the ABCD camp, that was a Nike camp that I went to back in the 80s. You had all of the big names there. Sonny Vaccaro, the legendary uh, shoe guy who signed Michael Jordan to that Nike deal. You had all these players there. Then they start wearing Nike. And then if you're going to funnel them to a Nike school, it just, you're opening yourself up to the possibility of kids getting paid to you know, go into these schools. And these coaches have these contracts with these shoe companies. Hey, you got to help me out here. Because the shoe company wants to get that player wearing their shoe at one of their schools. And that coach who has a contract with that shoe company wants you to help them get some of these players. Yes, Todd. It's just a big mess is what it is. Thank you. It's not going to get better anytime soon. Uh, McLovin, update the poll results. Which comes for uh, back first, NBA or MLB? Now people are saying NBA, 60% NBA. Here is the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred. He is guaranteeing we're having baseball this year. We're going to play baseball in 2020, 100%. If it has to be under the March 26th agreement, if we get to that point in the calendar, so be it. But one way or the other, we're playing Major League Baseball. All right. I know that back in March, they said you know, during this pandemic that, you know, things are going to change here. They have emergency powers. Commissioner has emergency powers, but they didn't factor in that there wouldn't be fans in the stands. We thought maybe we don't have 162 games. There's no language in this agreement that they signed back in March. They agreed to in March about no fans in the stands. I don't know if you can blur the lines now and go, well, but, you know, we're under the, you should have been under the impression we're not going to have fans in the stands. I have to look at this from both sides. And the players are thinking about now, the owners are thinking about down the road. They're thinking long-term, players are thinking short-term. How many players, we get caught up in, Mike Trout makes $36 million. You should be happy coming back to make seven. All right, it's not your money that you're talking about. It's his. And he earned that money. Bryce Harper, what he makes, and now what he would make if it's prorated. If you look at the number of players... It's probably 60% who are making less than a million dollars or less. So you, baseball has a lot of players who make money, good money, but they have even more players who don't, who do need to come back, who do need this paycheck here. And that's, we get caught up on the, the top tier, the top part of baseball salary structure, and we're not being fair to the everyday player who may only play for three years or four years. And it is a great living, but we're going to cut that in half or third, and then they go back to work. That's where I think we should have more focus on. Not what Clayton Kershaw is not going to make or Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, because they're going to make that up. They've made a lot of money. It's the players who don't make money. Yeah, Tom. Now, if the commissioner plays that mandate card, what's that going to do to future negotiations? I know we're living in the moment of trying to salvage a season now, but eventually they're going to have to do another longer-term agreement between the players and owners. That's going to get infinitely more messy if he plays that card and makes them play. I can't even get there, Todd, 
And because there's so much in front of me now of what's this going to mean down the road, because I don't even know if we get down the road. And if we get down the road, what's it look like? Is it smooth, paved, rocky, muddy? I have no idea. But this is what baseball, baseball has put themselves in this position. And if the commissioner says, we're playing 50 games, let's go. That's not going to bode well as we get ready for another collective bargaining agreement. Just not going to happen. By the way, baseball had its draft last night. And uh, I didn't watch any of it. I just wanted to know if Spencer Torkelson was going to be drafted number one by the Tigers. And I saw it on the bottom line and I said, okay, I'm done. Spencer Torkelson. Because you guys might not know this. Arizona State... He went to Arizona State. Has had four players go number one overall. Rick Monday. That was the first ever draft in 1965. Floyd Bannister. Bob Horner. And now Spencer Torkelson. By the way, Barry Bonds drafted sixth overall in 1985. But I was wondering, number one overall picks in a single sport. There are three schools that are tied for the most number one overall picks, and they are football programs. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC. Arizona State, because of the four number one picks in baseball, Auburn is there with four, Duke with four, Georgia four, Stanford with four. That feels like a stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day, that, that. stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. Top. And there's very little interest in the baseball draft because I don't know what the percentages are. Maybe Stats Inc. can help. On those drafted in the first round, who will even make a major league roster? And Spencer Torkelson, is he going to play next year? And if he does, okay, then there's a little bit of a carryover here. And you go, oh, okay, I'm curious to see how well that guy can play. But most of these younger players going into the minor leagues for a few years. Yeah, McLevin. He has a lot of torque in his swing. Thank you. Stealing Todd's line. And that's embarrassing I'm that so you did that. I'm so glad I didn't say that one. <laughs> so am I. One more hour to go. Dan and the Dan and Stan Patrick Show.